Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We have the most fun episode in store for you all today because we have the creator, the creator, you guys, of Pictionary. Think about it. How many smiles are out there right now? How many of you played that game and still play that game? It was such a favorite in my house. I was saying before we came on that I strategically defeated all four of my brothers in that game brings back wonderful memories we have rob angel on the show today that is a creator of pictionary has a new book out has incredible information and theories on being brilliantly resilient so we are so excited to have him here today thanks for coming on rob well kristen thanks for having me mary friend appreciate it well so excited to have you We are so ready to dive right in, and there's so many things about your journey and and the stuff that's in your book, Game Changer, which I love that title, Game Changer, um, that let's let's figure out how to to unpack this. And we typically talk about reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance, but I'm I'm especially interested for you to give your thoughts to, to all of our um, entrepreneurs out there, our brick and mortar business folks, everybody that is having to do a collective reset right now yeah. in their journey to their dream of their their businesses. So so let's start there. What um what do you have what do you have for some some advice? Solve all our problems, Rob. Solve them all. Uh, well, <laughs> thanks for coming, everybody. Good luck to you. Oh. No, uh, it we all have to reset. Everybody, you guys, me, there's nobody unaffected by what's going on. And it is really just a mindset change. And that's hard. I just said just a mindset change. Yeah. <laughs> that's not easy. I take what? that. Right? We just but we we're we're in an unknown. The whole world is unknown. Tomorrow is unknown. So knowing that, it helps me personally know that I'm gonna have to change. It knows that I'm gonna have to adapt. And, and it's hard because I have to tell myself over and over that I have to adapt. So my advice or my, my, what I talk about is you got to take a lot of little steps to get there because I don't have the brain capacity to wake up and go, you know, today I'm going to be an author. Today I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Today I don't, it doesn't work for me. I can't do that. But I know since I have to do it, I'm really kind of outside of my control that I'm going to take those steps. And I do take those little steps one at a time to convince myself and finally change my mindset. And it could take a week, a month, a couple of months. And that's how Pictionary got started, with a mindset change, not with a great idea. Same thing. Yeah. Oh, and- so please hone in on that. That, that please, <laughs> because everybody thinks that you get struck by lightning at one point and, and all of a sudden, yeah. here's your aha moment and your big idea. And people sit around and wait for that. And right. it, you're so right. It doesn't happen. It's about taking that one action step. We talk about that all the time. Come yeah. up with that one action step. So tell us about that, that point of it not being this brilliant idea about a game. Well, of course it was. But <laughs> it was. Oh, hey, I, I was waiting tables. I was 22 years old, 23 years old, waiting tables. So that was my mindset. That's the box I put myself. That's the label. 
And I was pretty comfortable with that, to be honest. I enjoyed it. I was good at it. I made the money I made, wanted to make. And then I discover Pictionary. I discovered there's charades on paper. And I think this is a great idea. And I think this is something I could turn into a game. And I wasn't packaging a game. I was packaging fun. I was packaging the emotion of what I was playing with my roommates. And this was what I wanted to package. And so I had my aha moment when I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to put it into a game. And by the way, it was a game because this is 1984 and that's what people play. If it was now, it'd be an app. So I just kind of was the technology of the day. That's yeah. why people say, Rob, yeah. did you want to be a great game inventor? Nope. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't planned. Well, nothing's planned. And so, and so I, I had my aha moment, couldn't figure out how to put the words into a game, and I see Trivial Pursuit. See the card, and I see the words. There's my aha moment. I'll put the words on cards and put them in the game. Ah. Right? That was the aha moment. But exactly, my friend, so what? I mean, it was like I didn't do anything with it. I started to panic. I started, I couldn't get out of the label of being a waiter. I couldn't get myself to being anything else. And so I had to break it down to a simple step. I had to get started or I would have continued to tell myself I was a waiter. The word list was the simplest thing. So I grabbed a pad of paper, a pencil and a dictionary. And, and the thing about that was it was right in front of me. I didn't overthink mm-hmm. my first step because, because I was overthinking everything, business plans, marketing plans. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a waiter. Yeah, you get mired in that place. Oh, yeah, you get goodness. stuck there. I'm amazing at overthinking. Like if there was a Super Bowl, <laughs> I'd be the MVP. <laughs> uh, I would be the co-MVP, trust me. Right? I mean, we'd be, we'd be negotiating who gets to take the trophy home. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, I was overthinking. And, you know, I was, I was negotiating with myself over and over. You're just a waiter. No, you want to be a game inventor. No, you're, I just kept, what if, what if? So I finally said, okay, went in the backyard with a pad of paper to dictionary and a pen. And I opened it up. And the first word I came to that would make sense for Pictionary was aardvark. <laughs> right, double A. Perfect sense. It was perfect. <laughs> aardvark. Okay, here we go. Aardvark. So I wrote down the word aardvark. And guess what? In that moment, when I wrote down aardvark, I was no longer a waiter. I was a game inventor. Okay, that's oh. not true. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh, well, you know what? It, okay. it is about that tiny mindset tweak. Like you're in that different space at that moment. And then it allows for the creativity of that to take root. Right. It, it, exactly right. It took root with that one word. But like I said earlier, I don't have, even today, I don't really have the mental strength to just, you know, they say, wake up and just tell yourself you're something else. And you'll, no, you won't. I take that. <laughs> I apologize. I all worked up. Coffee's kicked in. Uh, for for me, I can't do that. So with Pictionary, it's a, it's a microcosm of exactly what happened. So I wrote down the word. I'm a game inventor. Well, pretty quickly, I'm back to being a waiter. Well, <laughs> but I wrote down a second word. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe this game inventor thing. Maybe then a third and a fourth and a fifth. So I about a thousand words after about a month. Okay, now wait a minute. This reinforcement, telling myself over and over with each word, maybe I am a game inventor. So by the time I was done, it took three months, 5,018 words I wrote down on pads, and I was done. So after 5,000 words and three months, 
I was a game inventor. So it took wow. time. I had to keep telling myself. But then from there, right, I'm a game inventor. Okay, well, wait a minute. I've got a word list. What do game inventors do? Uh, I don't know. Next step, just do a play test. And I did it. So and then I just snowballed from there. I still didn't have a plan. I mean, here's the other thing uh, that, that I thought when I got started, I had to have everything in place before I got started. Mm-hmm. What does a game inventor do? It has business plans, marketing plans. Uh, no, the word list. <laughs> yeah. And I did the next thing. The next Are you related to us? Because we do the same thing <laughs> with this whole brilliantly resilient thing. You know, you have to, you have to read the moment and you have to sometimes just take action in the moment and all this stuff that yeah. everybody tells you about. Well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about, well, yeah, I thought about it, but I don't know how to do that stuff. So I'm going to do the stuff I know how to do. There's, there's no right way. There's a couple of wrong ways. There's no right way. There's, there's this, there was this program that I took. And there was 50 of us in the program. And they had two chairs, one at each side of the room. So the 50 of us line up on one side of the room. And they said, okay, the goal is to go to the other side of the room and get touch that chair. That's a simple goal. We can do that. But the rule was you couldn't do what anybody else had done. So we go over and we're like this and on our hands. And we come back. We go back and forth. 200 different times. The goal, simple, go to the chair. But guess what? 200 different ways to go back and forth to that chair. So there's no one answer. There's no right answer. The goal wow. is there, but you don't, but don't get too stressed over what everybody tells you should be doing. Don't get stressed over marketing plans. I mean, just get going and there's no right answer. Wow. You're making us feel so much better because we were like the past couple of weeks, everyone's like, you know, in the online space now, you should have a course and you should have this. And we were like, we were losing our, my hair extensions were falling out. I'm like, we can't, how are we going to do all this? And then we said, we are speakers and authors and we are very good at this show. That's where we're going to focus. And then it was yeah. like, take a breath. And then we created much better stuff because we were in our wheelhouse of what we well, what we want to do. I don't know. We'll see what happens uh, You understand what that is, but we'll just keep talking. <laughs> We're not sure yet. We're just going along with it. But you know what? You hit on so many of the things that we, that we talk about because people wait. They sit on their hands and they just wait. And nothing ever happens when you wait. And, and it, it's, it's about that one action step. And then it's about the next action step and seeing what happens from there and going with the evolution of it. I call it, I, I call it finding your aardvark because <laughs> I mean, that's I the, love that. the, the, the book, you know, it has an aardvark on it. I mean, it's a big thing, but it's not again to the, to this point, finding your aardvark isn't finding your purpose, isn't finding whatever it is you're looking for. Finding your aardvark is just taking one little step and then another and another and another. And eventually your goals, your dreams, whatever you're looking for will reveal themselves. But without taking a lot of steps in a lot of different directions, you'll never know. I, love, I love the fact that, that you talk about they can be little steps. They're yeah. all little steps. Are you kidding me? Are you <laughs> kidding me? I the bigger steps I take, the more lost I get. I mean, that's just me. I, I've just never said that before, but it's true. The smaller steps, the celebrating, those little victories. I mean, I wrote down the word aardvark. I'm running around the backyard. Hair's on fire. Oh my God, I wrote a word. My dream roommates <laughs> think I'm a little nuts, but that's okay. But we are totally all three of us long lost best friends because that's we how are. we are. Rob, when we hit 50 episodes, yeah. 
of yeah. this show, we lost. We were having like <laughs> parties on Zoom with the two of us. We were so. Of course, my kids were like, mm-hmm, that's great, mom. Congratulations. I'm like, it's 50. Then we hit, we had 100 consecutive days on the air. And the kids were like, so that's why the laundry looks that way. I'm like, well, you're amazing. <laughs> We've done 100. But, but we're very big on that of celebrating those each little step. And then it, it helps you keep going. Well, it helps us keep going. It does. And your kids are learning resiliency because they have to do their own laundry. Now. Do their own laundry, right? They do. So we actually you have separate the darks from the whites. That's all I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> so you um, you came up with this this plan, and you just you know not not even a plan. You came up with these little action steps, yeah. and then how did you get to the point? Because clearly, for it to become what it became, you had to do things or find people to help you do things that you didn't know how to do. And that's one of the other things that we talk about with with the whole tribe thing. Krista and I are our own little tribe because yeah. I hate to do all the stuff that she likes to do and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I start my sentences with so. Uh, <laughs> it draws me in, Rob. When you say so, I'm there. So go for We're it. We're listening. With it. So, so, anyway. uh, so Gosh. <laughs> pardon, pardon so me. Rob, tell us. <laughs> Coffee's really kicked in. So partners, uh, the way I look at it, as they say, you know, know your strengths, admit your weaknesses. That's kind of common. It's not common, it's true. And to do that, you've got to have guts to take your ego out of those decisions. It's hard to admit Martin. that you're not, right? You're not all that. Friend of mine works for Microsoft in the entrepreneur division, and I asked her, I said, What's the number one failure, reason for failure? And without hesitation, she said, Entrepreneurs think they can do it all. And so I don't have the skill set to be a business guy. I mean, I went to school to be a businessman, but I don't want to run a business. I don't know graphics, graphic artists. So I said, Okay, how can I fill in those blanks? My graphic artist buddy worked at the restaurant and the CPA uh, came across, I uh, came across him, the universe provided, if you will, but they had the skill sets that I didn't have. But there's three, I, I think for, for partners and this whole thing, you need three things. Yeah, skill sets that you don't have. You can hire that, right? yeah. you can find somebody to do your accounting. But, but two, they have to be on board with your vision, right? I had the vision, I had the idea. They have to be on board because if not, it's gonna cause problems down the road when you have to make decisions. This isn't, this isn't taken lightly. They have to be on board with what you're feeling and thinking. Uh, three, uh, two and a half is mm-hmm. give them a little piece of the action. Have them invested, right? You want them to really feel a part of this process. You want them to really feel like they belong. And the, and the last one, which is impossible to articulate and quantify is core values. Had to share. We talk about that all the core, time. <laughs> core, oh, really? I should be watching your show. Core values, because there's going to be problems. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. And if you guys aren't on the same page, or partners aren't on the same page, and feel the same way about life, about people, about business, and you don't have this emotional connection, and you don't want to dinner with them three nights a week, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And my intuition told me when I met my two partners, they were the guy. Skill sets, great. But my intuition, my, my heart, my gut said, yes, they're the ones. And I was absolutely right, not because of their skill sets, because of who they were as people and as humans. That's what made us a great team. 
it comes down to the relationships and having the Absolutely. same values. And it's funny because I never considered core values being a part of any of this stuff until this show. And so many well, people have echoed that, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, Kristen and I have been friends for a while, but again, to, to articulate that and to recognize that, you know, when you feel a kinship with someone, you don't, it's not often spoken. It's not, but you know, there's something there. And yeah. then you, I think you find, as Kristen and I did, that as you get to know each other better, it is exactly that. It is this, this shared idea of what's important in life and what means something to you. And I think you're so right that you cannot have long-term working relationships with people unless they share your values. Yeah. And when those big decisions come, if you don't, the decisions are gonna be so monumental and so stressful, you may make the wrong one. If you don't have this, you know, when we licensed, when we sold, when we, uh, you know, collated cars, I mean, time after time after time, these, these, these major decisions were pretty easy to make because we were all on the same page. Yes, isn't that wild? That's what we find. Yeah. It's yeah. really funny because we'll come up against something and one or the other of us will say, well, here's the yada yada, whatever, without, giving an opinion, the other person will write back. And then it's always, that's exactly what I was thinking because right. there is that commonality in what you value and what you think is important. And I don't think that people initially recognize that as inherently important to business. Look, as you're saying that, when, when we got into negotiations to license Pictionary after 13 months, uh, we became really big really fast we couldn't we couldn't fund our own growth we couldn't scale and so we needed two million dollars and this is 1986 money wow. and there's no vcs so to really do the job right so we had to license and here's another resiliency so to license meaning somebody would do the manufacturing their cost and to do that though i had to become a licensing company not a game company so there's another mindset change i had to convince myself i'm no longer a game inventor i'm a licensing guy and that was a little easier, but we had a deal on the table and it was from Milton Bradley, the biggest game company in the world. And I'm 30 years old, uh, 28 years old, making $500 a month, driving a 10 year old car. And this deal comes through and it had the biggest royalty rate they'd ever given an independent game company. And it had guarantees and marketing spend. But the one thing they didn't put in the contract was they wouldn't touch the packaging without a written approval, right? They wanted to change picturing rules, the graphics. And we realized in that moment when they wanted to do that, nobody is going to love or respect us or Pictionary more than we will. Nobody will have our best interest at heart. They have their best, own best interest, which is fine. I mean, that's what business is all about. So I had no problem with that. But all I had to do sign that piece of paper and I'm a millionaire at 28. They wouldn't put in writing, they wouldn't text the graphics. So their vision didn't line up with ours. So I said, no, I was willing to go back to waiting oh, table. I tell you, I tell you, it was an easy decision. Really? It was. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that cavalier, Okay, it might have been a day after I said no, where I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't quite all movie. 
but but there was never a doubt that it was the right decision and uh i was willing to go back as uh, simon Sinek calls it just cause i was willing to go back to waiting tables and failure there's no plan b and risk failure than sign a deal that wasn't in my best interest or pictionary's best interest or my partner's best interest but here's the deal we're talking about partners right I didn't have to negotiate with my two partners about whether to sign or not because we had this shared experience. We were core values. They agreed from the beginning, 100%. So I wanted to negotiate with Bradley. I didn't want to negotiate, negotiate with my partners. Yeah. I didn't have to. We all agreed and we went back to our, our day jobs, risking uh, success, risking success, not even failure, risking success. As it turns out, though, three weeks later, joint venture formed, and they gave us all our guarantees, more money than Milton Bradley. Oh. So by holding true to our values, our core values, what we knew, what we wanted, we got the deal we needed. So it all worked out. Universe provides. Wow, that's amazing. Well, that's actually what you're talking about, though, is transferable, not just in business and entrepreneurship. It's actually in relationships and people. Oh. And that Absolutely. you walk away from you know what did you call it simon sinek says it's just cause just cause you're just cause i love that yeah i'd rather i'd rather walk away from that and know that i'm solid in at my core than yeah. stay in something that's against my grain at yeah. all <laughs> it only took me 48 and a half years <laughs> to realize that aren't i a quick study <laughs> 62 so yeah it took me a while as well. so writing the book i go back and i'm realizing all these things at the time it just seemed normal it didn't really seem like a big deal well, well and like i think that's the key though when you when you're at peace this is going to sound i guess kind of corny or weird but when you're at peace with your gut and your heart then you know it's the right thing yeah you, you just you feel it so let's so you you signed with this joint venture and Pictionary became what it is, which is unbelievable. So now tell us about the book and how you have taken all of these experiences and you're using that to kind of help the rest of us who are trying to figure this this whole thing out. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I know, right? Solve <laughs> our problems. I got my own lady. Uh, no, I, I wrote the book primarily when I got started seven years ago, six years ago, uh, to tell the story so my kids know what daddy did. I mean, yeah. you know, they knew after the, after the fact. But as I started writing it, all these lessons that I realized I was learning without realizing it started coming out. And I started connecting the dots of what I'd learned, business, and exactly, Kristen, every business lesson is a life lesson and vice versa. You yeah. can you exchange the two words interchangeably. So the book uh, tells the journey, tells the story, the ups, the downs, what we had to overcome, uh, and the victories, the small victories. And it's just a great, it's a great read. It's a good story. Uh, and I hope people are inspired by it because I was a waiter. And then all of a sudden, I've got the biggest selling board game in the world. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. And that's the book. That's the story uh, of what it is. Well, let me ask you this. The one of my most favorite stories that I heard you tell on a podcast recently, and I don't know if it made it in the book, is the one about because it reminded me of Sarah Blakely with Spanx, where you went to the, the store, the department store, and you're you're selling you had to sell your own games there. And you're and, getting people to play it at the store. Oh, right. The Nordstrom right. thing, right? 
We did Nordstrom. I, I, I've seen her stuff. Sarah Blakely's story and my story, identical. I know. I want to sit in the same bar with you guys and hang out yeah. because it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, the, the lessons. We got started without having a plan. We one foot in front of the other. And so my business plan, what you're talking about, is I kept things simple. Mm -hmm. So our business plan was make games, sell games. That's <laughs> about it. I love so, it. Make games. so we got the game made. We got the game, and I had to go sell the game. So we had them in stores. But we had to promote the games, and so that's where I was a little more uh, out there. So we would take the game and go to a restaurant, and we'd open it up and start playing in the middle of the restaurant. I just think doing? that's so crazy. What are you doing? Oh, we're just playing Pictionary. Sit down. And we'd always do it near a retail outlet. Oh, by the way, you having fun? I invented it. It's next door. Uh, I did demonstrations, hundreds. I bought them of escalator at Nordstrom. They'd come down the escalator. I'd have my little table and a pencil. Play my game. Play my game. And so I, would, I was fearless. Absolutely fearless. I'd sell to real estate companies. I would sell to pharmacies. I don't care if you sold anything. You might as well sell Pictionary. I, I mean, love it. We, we, do, we do store checks because we kept everything local. And there was a local store called Fred Meyer. And I walked in one day and I, I don't see Pictionary on their game aisle. It's down at the bottom shelf. Oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. So my business partner was there and he's keeping a lookout for the manager. And I go and I rearrange their game department. I put Pictionary at eye level <laughs> and I take sure the pursuit and put it on the bottom shelf because they were our competition. So, you know. Whatever we did. I think that is just hilarious. I, I love that you were sitting in the, in the restaurant, playing the game, and then get people to come over and start the conversation. But, but that, that is true grit. And, and have, have you heard, have you read, um, you know, Adam Braun that did, uh, has Pencils of Promise. His book, The Promise of a Pencil, I read years ago when I was launching my nonprofit. And he talks about you have to have an unwavering commitment to your mission. And, and that's, those are those kinds of things you do when you know that, that this needs to get out there. I love it. Oh, it was a blast. I mean, that was fun. There, this wasn't marketing. This is, oh, let's go have a few beers and play the game. We had a ball. When yeah, you I, have I, that commitment though, and that feeling in your, in your heart and in your gut, because Kristen and I say that all the time, we'll go over our lists of things to do about the, the, you know, the Brilliantly Resilient platform. And we're so excited about it because our, we're invested, our hearts invested, our, our emotions, our mind. And yeah. you know, I don't consider myself a salesperson either, but I could talk about this all day long because I believe in it. And that was where you were coming from. Uh, absolutely. We believed in the process. We believed in the game. We believed in each other. And so it was just full steam ahead. And we weren't afraid of failure. Right. It was, but it takes a while to get past that. I mean, to get yeah. started, I say that very cavalier, but it's, it's hard. But once we got into it, once we believed we had something, we had trust in ourselves and each other and the product, man, that's liberating. I mean, when you have partners oh, yeah. that back you up, I mean, you two, I can, I'm watching you two. We don't know each other, but I can see it and feel it in you two. And to have that, that camaraderie and have that support, oh my goodness. If you find that person or people in your business, man, sky's the limit. Sky is the limit. I love yeah. that. 
Yeah, it's yeah. golden. There's really, it really, um, it's made me see what trust really is that, you know, trusting each other's decisions and viewpoints and all of that. It is really cool. It is really cool. I'm yeah. sitting here thinking that, Mirafan, I think that now the, that the world is opening, we should take the show on the road, which was our initial thing, and we'll just sort of start interviewing people in, in bars and Nordstrom. That's a perfect <laughs> idea. We'll do it at the bottom of the escalator in Nordstrom. It's the raw bottle. You, you can be our first guest, Rob. We'll have you there again. Really Bring the board game. I'll, I'll, I'll call you to what bar I'm in, and randomly, of course, because nobody's going to know we'd set it up. Yeah. Oh, here's an unlikely fellow. How funny would that be? Here's an oh unlikely my God. fellow. <laughs> you know, one of the fellow. things... My business partner used the word fellow, so I don't know. One of the things that I loved about what you were saying about when you wrote the book was how you started connecting the dots and realizing that as you went through that process, you were learning all these lessons. Yeah. And Kristen and I, you know, our background, Kristen is raising two sons who are blind. My son um, struggled with heroin and, and drug addictions for many, many years. And that was one of the, that was our kind of our common ground because we both realized in talking to each other about our stories that there were all these lessons that we had learned that were really able to be put in a form that could be shared with other people. And that was something that we felt we needed to do. So you kind of, you know, echo that in your book in the game changer idea. There are lessons there. Oh, there's lessons in everything we do. I mean, your two examples are pretty extreme. Yeah. There's lessons in- Can we know? <laughs> I know, right? I'm telling you what you no. know. I'm the master of the obvious. <laughs> Yeah. Really, my kid said all it. Really, Dad, we we knew that. There's your T-shirt. Now we have a T-shirt for Rob, Master of the Obvious. There you go. And, yeah, short attention span theater is another. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, it, it there's there's lessons, big and small. Mm -hmm. So so we tend to, I tend to say, what's the lesson in that? Well, sometimes it's not big. Sometimes it's don't eat spaghetti at past ten o'clock. <laughs> I don't know. Still a valuable lesson, it's we might add. Lesson. Hard fought, hard won. You eat cheese after three, you're in trouble. See, I know. But, but, it's, but again, it's, not every lesson has to come from something dramatic. It doesn't have to be, oh my gosh, the world came to an end. It's, oh my goodness. So just pay attention to the little things and be open to those little things. That's, that's what I always talk about, being open. Don't judge all the opportunities. Don't judge the lessons. Don't judge the messenger. And so when things come through, you know, it, it's okay. Just take them on board. If it works, great. If not, ignore it and wait for the next. Hmm. I'll have to keep replaying that over and over again. <laughs> that is not uh, my strong suit. <laughs> I overthink, overjudge, replay, coulda, woulda, shoulda. I've been working on that this whole quarantine to stop doing that. So Sounds like go. it's not working. But anyway. <laughs> And there's the obvious again. And there's the obvious again. Oh, man. <laughs> well, Rob, this Very has good. been just a delightful conversation. We could talk to you all day, but I really want people to know where they can find you, more about you. You're taking your message, you know, to, to groups, and I know you're doing the motivational speaking and, and bringing your story to other people, which is wonderful. So how can people get hold of you for that and to get hold of the book? Uh, you get the book on Amazon. Uh, Game Changer Rob, Game Changer Pictionary. You can get on my website, robangel.com. I'm selling autographed uh, books there. Oh, uh, cool. Direct. And you can find me on social media at The Rob Angel. So all the usual platforms, The Rob Angel. 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I just like sharing. I like talking clearly. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's whatever lessons I can teach, whatever I can share, I'm happy to do it. I love doing it because I just, I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of our job. We've had Your brilliance. You're yeah. bringing your brilliance to the world. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. When you find your brilliance, yeah. that is, you know that's your gift. You know that's what you're supposed to get out there to share with the world. And when you get there, it's the best place to be. You just know your home. Yeah, it is. I do a lot of talking to college kids and their faces are like this. And it's like, so it's, it's rewarding is not even the right word. It's just fabulous to see. So thank you. And I love the whole idea of what you guys are doing. So take it on the road, do what you have to do. Because uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's where the times we're in right now. Yeah. And when we yeah. come out of these times, which we will, mm -hmm. who knows what we're going to look like? Who knows individually as a collective, we're going to look like and feel like, but as long as we keep moving forward, as long as we keep adapting, as long as we keep just growing and learning in small steps, we'll, we'll be okay. We will be okay. There's our clip. There's our clip, Kay, right there. That's the clip. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Look out, Instagram. That's coming at you. That one right there is coming at you. Well, Rob, this has been more fun than I even anticipated that it was going to be. I knew it was going to be a good time. And for all of you out there, make sure you go check out Rob. Make sure you change, uh, change. check out the book, Game Changer. And if you're still having issues with this whole resetting your mindset, go check out the freebie that we have at brilliantlyresilient.net slash freebie. But also go sit down with some folks and play some Pictionary. Have some fun, go. people. Have a totally. good time. And try to draw an aardvark and maybe send us your <laughs> of the aardvark. That would be fun. I don't even think I could draw an aardvark. <laughs> Uh, this has been a good one, you guys. Everybody, uh, make sure that you listen on the podcast. Give us a rating, a review, and um, reach out to us on social media. And we will see you at the next episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. Take Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.